Amen. We're in installment number two of a series that we began last weekend. If you were not with us, uh, it's okay. We'll review so that you can catch up with us. We're calling this Milk It. Everybody say Milk It. Love the subtitle, Don't Eat When You Are Hungry, Eat to Get Hungry. That'll make sense here in just a little bit. As I often do as I begin a session, I always tell some sort of a life story that's pertinent to the message that I'm talking about. And I gave my one milk story last weekend. I only, I'm 61 years old, I only have one reasonable story about milk, that's all. So I couldn't come up with a milk story to open up the session. So instead, I came up with a little bit of an interactive. This is something I actually want you to interact with. After that, feel free to amen, but that's the end of the interaction. So let me give you a couple of milk jokes, may I? I'm going to anyway, Tyler and I, this is Tyler right here in the front row. Tyler is an usher here at the church. He's six foot seven. He's probably my favorite usher. He loves dad jokes. He loves corny jokes. He's not a dad, but when he becomes a dad, after he gets married, when he becomes a dad, he's gonna be the best dad because he'll already have dad jokes down pat. So if you don't like this interactive session, Tyler and I will enjoy it. This will just between the he and I, all right? So let me give you a couple of thoughts. Go ahead and interact. What, why did the cow cross the road? You could say it. Well, it's not to get to the other side. <laughs> Maybe guess the second one. What do you call a cow that doesn't give milk? An utter failure. I heard someone got it down here. Very good. So this is interactive. Look at the third one. They got this yesterday. What was the cow's favorite candy bar? Milky Way. See, when it comes to candy, you people are all in. When I talk about scriptures, like, huh, what, huh? Milky Way, right on. Look at, look, look at, look at, what, where do Russians get their milk? From Moscow's. Rick Renner, if you're watching, that's just for you. What do you call, same one earlier, different answer. What do you call a cow that doesn't give milk? A milk dud, a milk dud. That was the interactive part. It is now over. I noticed you didn't stand to your feet for that one and give a clan. Come on, you might as well just encourage the pastor. Let's look at our key verses. This all makes sense to those of you here for the very first time. Let's take a look at 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 through 3. I love these verses, very powerful. Notice here, 1 Peter 2, 1 through 3, wherefore, laying aside all malice, those of you that are new, I met a beautiful couple, he's a pastor's kid, all the way from Texas, I believe, and, and his wife, and we're honored to meet them. How I many pastor's kids, that's not easy for a pastor, they live in a fishbowl. So he's my new buddy, and I wanted to love on him. Well, so many new people come to the house. I want you to know that the New Testament was originally written in Koine Greek. Koine means common. Common Greek, so I'll bring out the Greek uh, when I teach, not to impress you, but to bless you, because it'll bring out a story sometimes that English does not. Wherefore, laying aside all malice. That word laying aside is the Greek word apotathemi, and it means to place aside. Just like you would dirty clothes, you place them aside on purpose, and he's telling us now what to place aside before we enter into the Word of God. Notice he's saying, place aside all malice. The Greek word kakia, which means badness, anything that's evil, a hypocritical life. Let's begin to place it aside. Notice here, and all guile, the Greek word dolos, and it really means trickery or deceit. 
You, you, you ever meet somebody that is just very deceitful in what they're doing? So lay that aside. As Christians, we need to do that. And hypocrisy is the Greek word hypocrisis. We had no such word in the English language, so we had to borrow it from the Greek language. And it's a theater term. You've seen it, you know, at a theater with the smiley mask and the frowny mask. Literally, it's talking about someone who lives behind a mask. You know them. They come to church and they got the hallelujah, but in their heart it's what's it to ya? And by that response, I have a number of people living behind that mask as we speak. And envies and all evil speakings, that word in the Greek is defamation. It's what we do online when we trash other people, when we gossip about other people. And notice here, he's telling us to place these things aside, not come to the Word of God with perfection, no one can, but come to the Word of God not living a double life, a hypocritical life. Let's place this aside and now come to the Word of God. And here's what he's saying. And as newborn babes, ever say babes? The Greek word brephos, which means infants. Newborn infants, not talking about physical infants. He's talking about people that have given their life to the Lord. They're young in the Lord. They're infants in the Lord. Here's what we should do desire. I love this. This is a very powerful word, and it literally means to earnestly crave. It is the Greek word epipoteo, and it means to really crave. Like an infant wood milk, let's really crave the sincere. Ever say sincere? This is the opposite of dolos. It's adolos, and it literally means an unadulterated, sincere, pure. How many know the Word of God is pure? So we got to come to the Word of God with a pure heart. Notice we desire, intensely crave the pure milk of the Word. Why? That we can grow thereby. The word grow is oxano, and it means to enlarge spiritually. How many want to grow in 2023? This is the only way to do it. Thank you for that tepid golf clap. That was a blessing. And notice here, if so be you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. I love this word gracious. It's krestos in the Greek language, and it literally means that he's better, he's kind, he's gracious. In other words, when you drink the milk of God's word, you will not be lactose intolerant. You'll be able to have this milk go down. It'll go down smooth. And when you taste Psalms 34 and verse 8, taste and see that the Lord is good. God is better than Campbell's soup. He is mmm, mmm, good. Any, anybody ever give you something and you thought this is going to be a really great tasting thing, but it tasted lousy? I, I, listen, I'm a, I'm a big healthy eater, uh, and I, I'm real strict about it. And so every day I have a couple of squares of dark chocolate. Uh, you, in order for that to be healthy, it has to have 72% of cacao or above. Normally what I eat is about 92% or I eat 100% cacao. And if you've ever eaten 100% cacao, it is bitter. My wife down here said, it's terrible. It's bitter. It is bitter. So I, I got, a, I got a, a lot of pastoral attendants. Uh, they're either policemen or professional boxers or martial artists. If I can't take you, I know someone who can. And, and, and so I got one, Ian Bright. I don't know if he's in the house. He's a martial artist. He's just a great guy. I love him a lot. He's got two little kids. And he, they'll come into my office after the service, you know, and I'll always offer them something. I'll say, hey, kids, want some chocolate? And what kid doesn't want chocolate, right? 
So I slipped him a little 100% cacao. And you should have seen the faces on these two little kids. They were expecting something awesome, Doc, but they got bitter. They didn't get better. And their little faces were literally like, ha, ha, ha. And, oh. and now I'll offer them the same chocolate almost every time they come in off. They go, nope, no thanks. No thanks, Pastor. How many know, ladies and gentlemen, when you taste of God's word, it will not be like that. It won't be bitter. You'll get better. Could I have an amen? Here's the trouble. Here's the challenge in the body of Christ. We showed you these stats last week, and they're very concerning. I think we're really malnourished when it comes to the Word of God. Look at the stats in the body of Christ in America. 50% of all adults have read little to none of the Bible. This is not unbelievers, folks. This is us. Look at, look at number two. 35% never read the Bible. And we wonder why people are falling for anything and everything on YouTube. Third thing we talked about is only one-third of regular churchgoers, hopefully that's you, read the Bible every day. At least you're going to church. But listen, man, I challenge somebody in the house, we've got to get over those malnutrition stats because this life point really is true, and you know it's powerful. I'm not so concerned about the unbelievers who deny the Bible. I am concerned about the believers who disregard the Bible. I obviously want to win everybody that doesn't know the Lord and Jesus Christ. I'm not concerned about the darkness. I'm concerned about the absence of light. And your Bible says in Psalms 119 and 130, the entrance of his word brings light. And if we're not allowing it to enter, our light is going to grow very, very dim. Could I have an amen? And if you've never seen somebody that's disregarded the Bible... You're about to check it out. I guess I just sit right down in here and you got to put a nickel this thing to turn it on. You awake over there, son? Is it your turn or do I go first? N no, my son, you go first. Son? Well, I'm 80 years old. I ain't got all day. I've been married 55 years to that battle axe, and I've been faithful to her. But just yesterday, a 20-year-old girl was flirting with me. I didn't stop her. When was the last time you made a confession? Never. I'm Baptist. Then why are you telling me all of this? Well, son, I'm telling everybody. Clearly, you don't get that. He was 80. A 20-year-old girl flirted with him. He wanted to tell everybody and anybody. My apologies to all the Catholics in the house. Come on, encourage our Acts of Joy team. They need it. Clearly disregarded the Bible. Now, from those verses, from 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 through 3, We've broken it down in simple, palatable bites so that we can receive that. That's the gift of the teacher. That's what we do here. We don't want to just point our fingers at you and tell you what you need to do. We want to tell you how. We'll review quickly and jump into new territory. Are you ready? We talked to you last weekend about three holy habits that we need to develop if we're really going to grow in 2023. We talked to you about, number one, we must develop a heart for God's Word. That's from 1 Peter 2 and verse 1, where we're laying aside 
All of these things. Now, listen to me closely. In no way, shape, or form are we talking to you about that you've got to come to God with perfection. Nobody does that, your pastor included. But we do need to come to God with a pure heart that really wants to grow. And we talked to you about four different thoughts along those lines last time. We're going to whittle it down to two as we review. Number one, check it out. You don't read the Bible with your eyes. You read the Bible with your heart. That's why it's so important to come to the Word with a pure heart, not a hypocritical heart. Second thing that's so important, and it is true, either sin will keep you from the Bible or the Bible will keep you from sin. You say, Pastor, are you telling me that if, if I get into the Word of God and put the Word of God in my heart and begin to live it out, that I'll live a sinless life? Of course I'm not telling you that. I'm not telling you that you will be sinless, but I am telling you the more of the Word that you have in your life, you will sin less. Helping anybody. So we've got to come to the Word, first with a pure heart. The second thing we've got to do is, number two, we must desire a hunger for God's Word. That's 1 Peter 2.2. 2. We have to desire epitetheo. We've got to really have an earnest craving for the milk of God's Word. We began to talk to you about six hunger thoughts last time. We got through three, and we'll jump into new territory here in a moment. Babies will always let you know when they're hungry. How many have ever had a baby? I don't care what you put in front of them, a shiny toy, whatever. If, there's, if they're hungry, there's no stopping their crying. Second thing we talked to you about, number two, babies only lose their appetite when they're sick. We found from verse one, that's the sickness that we have. That's why we've lost our appetite, because we haven't laid these things aside. We're playing around with God, and it's important now that we come, not with perfection, with, with, with a pure heart, and because number three is true, check it out, babies are not sick because they lost their appetite. They lost their appetite because they're sick. You know that if you have a child, they want to eat all the time. Even a person who's older and they're about to go on to be with the Lord, one of the first signs is they have no desire to eat. They've lost their appetite. Are you ready for new territory? Come on, everybody say milk it. Here we go, number four. Here we grow together. The problem is not with the food. The problem is they don't have an appetite. Let me say it in a different way. The problem is not with the Word of God. The problem is that we don't have an appetite for it. Uh, I, my, here's Anthony on the second row, and, and many times, I don't mean to say this you know, openly, he fasts many times on Wednesday, and he sometimes will be my pastoral attendant on Wednesday, and I sometimes will forget that, and I'll offer him a power bar on Wednesday. And he's like, oh, no, Pastor, I'm fasting. And it's like, oh, gosh, sorry, Anthony, I don't mean to be used of the devil to mess up your fast. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with the food that I'm offering him, but it's because of where Anthony is. He's, not, he's fasting right now, so he doesn't need the power bar. Sometimes he'll say, I'll take it, but I'll eat it tomorrow. That's a smart man. Come on, can you encourage Anthony? <laughs> nothing wrong with the food, folks. The problem is with our appetite. Fifth thing that we need to understand, and it's true, if you're stuffed with junk food, you won't have an appetite for healthy food. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, if I'm stuffed with the Internet... Stuff with Netflix, stuff with television, stuff with TikTok, stuff with garbage. I'm going to have no appetite for healthy food. How many, how, many, how many understand the scripture in Proverbs 27 and 7? The Bible says that the fool soul, F-U-L-L, the fool soul, soul hates the honeycomb. In other words, when you're full and full of garbage, you don't have any appetite for good stuff. 
I can tell some of the people that I can literally see Cheetos, remnants of Cheetos hanging off your face right now. If you know, if you're stuffed with Cheetos and someone provides for you the most beautiful, tasty salmon in the whole world, you don't care because you're stuffed with junk food. Oh, look, I'm, I'm not trying to take away your Cheetos. Don't, don't, don't get mad at him. I'm trying to make a point. Here, I'll, I'll use myself as an example, as I often do. That way it takes all the pressure off of you. I'm very transparent as a pastor. Uh, and then that way you get to sit out in the congregation and judge me, as you often do. I, I remember when I was a young believer, uh, uh, so be, before I gave my life to the Lord, I was an alcoholic checking IDs at a bar. This is 43 years ago. I've been in the ministry now 40 years. Someone encouraged the pastor. That's a long time. Just getting started. I'm just figuring out a few things after 40 years. I, I love it. But then I got, I got saved. I was real big, real muscular and, and all of that, but I was not healthy. And there's a difference between looking good and actually being healthy. I was, uh, I was just a glutton. I mean, honestly, I, I was a glutton. As a young believer, I was a glutton. I would go to Dunkin' Donuts. I mean, no, no Dunkin' Donuts. I'll go to Dunkin' Donuts. I'd get a dozen donuts, you know, with all the sprinkles and all the maple cream and all the filling on the inside. And I probably shouldn't be saying this because now, all of a sudden, I've distracted many of you. <laughs> I see a little drool hanging on some of you. And, and, and I would get a dozen of them, and I would get Tahitian treats. I don't know if you remember what those were. It was like a pop or a soda. It was like a fruit punch with the soda. You remember those? And so I, that's just loaded with sugar. And I would eat six donuts, and I would drink one Tahitian treat, and I would save the other six for at the night, and I would eat those rest of the donuts that night with the other Tahitian treat. I know. Thank you for your judgmental looks. It was not, again, I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about me. Listen, listen, I didn't have food. Food had me. I was stuffed with junk. So he didn't have an appetite for good stuff. And I want you to know, I think that's some of our spiritual problem. We're so, so consumed with Netflix and the internet and all the garbage on the phone and our Instagram and checking everything and on and on and on. We're consumed with all of that that we've lost our appetite for that which will cause us to grow. Helping anybody. And then look at course number six. This is powerful. And this is the subtitle. This is what we mean by this. Naturally speaking, we eat when we're hungry. But spiritually speaking, in the kingdom of God, we should eat to get hungry. It's completely different. In, in other words, if you'll force feed yourself the word of God, you'll be surprised. It'll go down good and you'll want more. You ever growing up, uh, did your mama ever tell you, hey, hey, honey, I want you to eat this. Try it. It'll be good for you. Yeah. Right? And some of it, you know, was, and you liked it. Some of it you hated. But, but listen to me. Mama was ultimately right. Those things that we didn't really like, it was good for us, and then you began to develop a taste for it. Like, I, I'm a super healthy eater, and so here at the church, they make me sometimes uh, what sounds awful, black bean brownies. No sugar in them, made out of black bean brownies, but they're phenomenal. Someone said, try these pastors, no sugar in them, they're really healthy ingredients, da, 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 all natural, all this. And it's a black bean brownie. That don't sound good at all. That don't, you know. But try it. You're going to like it. And I try one of those, and I love them. Yeah. I mean, I, they're just so good. Bridget Rogers makes just, just a, an outstanding black. And I'm only saying this to get more. You understand what I'm talking about. <laughs> and the only reason I'm doing that. Now, now, someone said try it, 
I tried it, and man, was it good for me. May I challenge you in the house? I'm telling you, force feed yourself the Word of God, and you'll begin to develop a hunger for more because you just see how good it tastes. Is anybody out there? So the first thing that we need to understand, going back to our main points, we've got to develop a, a heart for God's Word. We're going to desire a hunger for God's Word. And then from 1 Peter 2 and verse 3, number 3, we must devote to hearing God's Word. Now, I'm going to give you six sub-thoughts on hearing God's Word. And the first one is going to sting a little bit. Are you ready? It's going to sting, but it'll get better, okay? This is your pastor. Look to your neighbor and say, my pastor loves me. Come on, come on, tell him. I'm tell him my pastor loves me. Now, look here to your, your second choice and say, hey, second choice. I hate him. Just tell him. Just tell him. It's going to sting a little bit now. So bear with me. Here we go. Watch this now. The real reason people have no appetite for the Word of God is they have no appetite for the God of the Word. And it really is true, folks. And I know that's why it's so quiet in the house. Listen, I've got a poem here that I wrote my wife quite some time ago. We keep it on a prominent place next to the fireplace. I want her to look at that often so I can score brownie points, <laughs> black bean brownie points. <laughs> I, I've got the words up on, on the screen here for you so that you can follow. And this is all, I got this from 1 Peter chapter 3, and this is something that I felt inspired to write. My wife, truly, in the sight of God, you are of a great price and value. That is why for the rest of my life, it is you I will love and pursue. The tenderness of your heart is unmatched by but a few. Truly in the sight of God, you are of a great price and value. You have put your whole heart in our marriage and the life of our child with your tender ways and your big smile. You've given so much to this family, your time, purpose, and love so generously. You are my divinely appointed helpmeet. The way you stand beside me, I believe I can accomplish any feat. My precious Anne, to you I will always be true. Truly in the sight of God, you are of a great price and value. That's in a prominent place in our living room. And it's something that we can look at often. Now, why is that? Why do we still read one another's love letters? Listen to me closely. It's because we still have a heart for the author. Listen to me. God wrote you a love letter, folks. It's 66 books long. Do you still have a heart for the author? Because he sent this to you. People died so that you could get it. In China right now, where it is outlawed, people will literally tear up the Bible into pieces so that they can keep it safe from it being confiscated. Each one has a chapter. Each one has a page. It's so precious to them. For us, we've got six of them. Most of them are lying on a coffee table. Most of them have dust in the book of Leviticus. And I'm not saying that to condemn you. I'm saying that to help you understand. I think the reason 
that we no longer have an appetite for the Word of God is because we no longer have an appetite for the God of the Word. He wrote you a love letter. Isn't it time that you open that back up? Because in every single of the 66 books, there is a drop, there is an element of how much God loves you. It's a love letter. Come on, let's get back into that. It, it'll be amazing how you'll begin to develop that love once again. That's why 32 years of marriage, my wife and I don't just have a good marriage. We've got a great marriage. We have challenges just like you. We've got to work at it just like you. But we still have a heart for the author. May I challenge you? Second thing that we need to understand as we're hearing it, there's nothing wrong with being a baby. There is something wrong with staying a baby. You, what, what did we just read? As a brefos, as an infant, desire the sincere milk of the word so that you can oxano, grow, enlarge thereby. There's nothing wrong. We have all kinds of new believers in the house. And listen to me very closely. Your age as a believer has nothing to do with your natural chronology. You, you could be a baby in the Lord at five, or you could be a baby in the Lord at 75. You understand, and at some point, there's nothing wrong. We have people all the time that give their life to the Lord. They're in their 60s and 70s and 80s. So they're babes in the Lord. They may be professionals out there, but you're a babe in the Lord, and there's nothing wrong with being a baby. There is something wrong with staying a baby. You know, if you understand, when you're little, when you're first born, and you're you know, one and two, you have diapers on. And you run around with just your diapers and that's it. And when you're 75 and if you, all you have is a Speedo on and run around on the beach, there's something wrong with that. <laughs> we know that you don't have two things. Two things. You don't have a wife and you don't have a mirror because both of them would say, don't do that. That's not good. <laughs> you stayed a baby for 75 years. You went from diaper to diaper. You're bald here. You're bald there. There's nothing wrong with being a baby. There is something wrong where we don't desire the sincere milk of the word so we can grow thereby. Helping anybody? Third thing we need to understand, this is powerful. You're going to need to take a picture of this. When you love God, you love the word of God. When you love the word of God, you look at the word of God. When you look at the Word of God, you learn the Word of God. When you learn the Word of God, you live the Word of God. I'm going to say it again. It's so powerful. When you love the Word of God, you, what you love, when you love God, you love the Word of God. When you love the Word of God, you look at the Word of God. When you look at the Word of God, you learn the Word of God. When you learn the Word of God, you begin to live the Word of God. Listen to me very closely. That's why a lot of people that say that they love God, if you really love God, you should love what He says. Wouldn't it be bad if all I said to my wife was, I love you, I love you, I love you, but then I went and committed adultery on her all the time? Those are just words then. They mean zero. Let me give you another example because you didn't like that one. That's fictitious. I'm not doing that. I wrote her a poem. Let me give you another example. Now, now, now this is a current event. Hear my heart here. A major Christian music artist has a niece that's a lesbian, 
that just got married to another lesbian, and they had that marriage on their giant farm and celebrated. Now, listen to me very closely. I'm all for loving those people. They need Jesus just like I need Jesus. But there's a difference between that and celebrating. Now, listen to me. Here's what the Christian music artist said. Well, bottom line, aren't we just supposed to love God and love people? And certainly, she's quoting from Mark chapter 12, but listen to me, please, very closely. When you love God, you love the Word of God. And how many know because God is love, He gets to define what love is and what love is not. And I'd rather be thought of as mean but really be kind than thought of as kind and really be mean. If there is a road out and the bridge is out, and you are on your way to somewhere that's going to hurt you. And if I just wave at you as you drive by, you'll drive by and go, isn't he kind? Oh, gosh, he's so nice. I love Pastor Jim. He just waves no matter what I'm doing. Hi, I love you. Ah. If I really love you, I'm going to stand in front of you. And I'm going to say, that road is out. I love you so much, I've got to warn you. Because love is not defined by a feeling. Love is not defined by a sexuality. Love is not defined by a propensity. Love is defined by God and his word. And he said, he defined what love is in 1 Corinthians 13, 6 and 7. He says, love does not rejoice in sin but love rejoices in the truth. Amen. Now, I know that you're scared to clap, but I just told you the truth. And I told it to you in love. I have very much care for that person that's heading in that direction. Very much care that that person, if there's a bridge out. And I love that person enough to step in front of them and say, I love you. Please don't go down that venue. Because God is love, but he created you to function in a certain way. And if we function in a way outside of his word, our car will begin to break down. That's so, and listen to me. Truth is truth for all times, all people, and all cultures. It has nothing to do with how you feel. It has nothing to do with some good-looking, humorous, witty, smart person and what they say on TikTok. It has nothing to do with that. And see, we're influenced by people on the Internet rather than being influenced by God and his word. Amen. To say that we are, well, we love God. If you love God, you should love his word. Why? Because John 17, 17, thy word is truth. That's what Jesus said. John 8, 31, if you continue in my word, you'll know the truth. And John 8, 32, that truth will make you free. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way. I am the truth, the truth, the truth, the truth. Not a truth. People say, well, that's, that's just your truth. No, well, that's not my truth. That's his truth. 
He is the creator, and I've decided to live by his truth. I did an experiment with my young adults the other day, and I asked them a question. Here's another interactive part of the message. Are you excited? And I asked them, what's their favorite desserts? And I gave them five choices. Cookies, brownies, cake, ice cream, and pie. And I said, what's not your favorite, but what's the best dessert? Ever say best dessert. On three, shout out your best dessert. One, two, three. Okay, so we got all kinds of choices. Uh, how, how many would take cake and ice cream together? That's the best dessert. Listen to me. When it comes to your preference, you have every right to your truth. That's the best. Cake is the best. No problem. When it comes to your furniture, what car you buy, that's a preference. It's your truth. Live it out. But when it comes to principle, there is no compromise on principle. There's not your truth or my truth. There's just his truth. And if you live it out, listen to me, this is why God is for his truth. He's not just an egocentric guy in the sky. He's our creator. And when you live out his truth, it will make you free. And God is for your freedom. So quit letting your propensities and your sexuality and your feelings color your truth. Let the Word of God color all three of those. Helping anybody. Don't you leave me up here by myself. I feel all by myself up here. Right now, there's people turning off on YouTube right now. Right now, there's two people leaving right now. <laughs> so I do want you to understand, don't you do You stay with the truth. Could I have an amen? Fourth thing that you need to know, don't just read the cookbook. Start eating the meal. Don't you, it's one thing to read the cookbook, but now let's just start applying that. Let's eat the meal. Fifth thing that we need to understand is no Bible, no breakfast, no read, no feed. I talk to people all the time. Hey, how are you doing on your Bible reading? Well, Pastor, I'm trying. You know, it's funny because God bless you. I think that's awesome. You're trying, but you don't say that when it comes to your food. Hey, how are you doing on eating? I'm, I'm trying, Pastor. No, you're just doing it. It's amazing how consistent that you are. You always find time. You're very regular. Could I have an amen? Let's have that same attitude. Jesus said, Matthew 4, 4, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Look, look at your Pastor one more time because I can see some of you still thinking. Listen to me. No matter who it puts us with or who it takes us from, this church and this pastor in love will always stand for the truth. Always. We're not going to be unkind or mean like a whole lot of people are. I said that in a very loving way when I mentioned before people need Jesus just like I needed Jesus. All those years ago, 43 years ago, as an alcoholic checking IDs at a bar. But thank God Jesus came in with his truth and not just said, here you go, son, here's another beer. I love you. That wouldn't have made me free. Just would have increased my bondage.
Please understand, folks, we're always going to, in love and in kindness, but always with truth, we're never going to compromise on the word of the living God. If that puts me in jail, it puts me in jail. I just ask that you visit me with a cake <laughs> because it's the best dessert. No sugar in it. Just make sure. Don't put sugar in it. Put a nail file in it so I can... No Bible, no breakfast, no read, no feed. And then lastly, and it is true, me and Eric love this, the Bible is not just a life-changing book. The Bible is a life-saving book. Let me give you two stories. You can go ahead and clap for that. That's, a good, that's good news. Let me give you two stories. A guy by the name of Charles Wishart. This is from the 1600s. Simply for being a believer in the 1600s, he was being hung for his faith. I mean, you guys, it's so funny. People get a little bit persecuted, you know, as a Christian, and someone calls you a Jesus freak at work, or someone kind of chews you out on the Internet, you, you, or something like that, and you're, <laughs> listen, they were being hung for their faith in the 1600s. And as he was at the gallows, about to be hung, they had one protocol that they allowed the Christians before they were hung. I thank God for that, but there's one. They were allowed to pick one verse or one passage from the Bible before they were hung as kind of a consolation for them before they died. Charles Wishart was about to be hung. True story. There he was at the gallows, and he picked Psalms 119. <laughs> now, those of you that are laughing understand that's the longest chapter in all of the Bible. Those of you that aren't laughing have no idea and need to read your Bible. Longest chapter, there's 160-something verses in Psalms 119. Literally, they were reading that passage, Psalms 119, uh, before they hung him. And as a result, they were about midway through it, and hooves could be heard of a horse off in the distance. And she began to get closer, galloping closer and closer. And finally, a horse pulled up with a decree from the king, pardoning Charles Wishart. And had he not picked Psalms 119, he would have had some real hang-ups. <laughs> had he picked John chapter 11 and verse 33, where the Bible says, Jesus wept, it would have been over. Your Bible is not only a life-changing book, it is a life-saving book. It will save your marriage. It will save your children. It will save your health. It will save your peace. It will save your joy. It will save your purpose. It will save your body. It will save everything about you. It's for our benefit when we get in this book. Let me close with these three compilations that we talked about. We must, from 1 Peter 2, 1 through 3, develop a heart for God's Word. We must desire a hunger for God's Word. We must devote to hearing God's Word. Why, folks? Because, listen, in the natural, when we're hungry, we eat. But in the spiritual, when, listen to me very closely. When we eat, we get hungry. May I challenge everybody in the house in 2023, let's have a revival of the Bible. Let's grow in the things of God. Let's milk it.